Good morning. You know, singing that song and Advent songs in general, um, the more we are in tune with the brokenness of our world, in our hearts, in our personal relationships, in our culture, whichever nation we find ourselves in, uh, the more we're in tune with that, the more we will resonate with the hope of Advent, right? And so that song, you know, Advent means coming, arrival. And so from the Old Testament perspective, we, they were waiting for Jesus to come, uh, just as we sang. And so we actually live kind of in the midst of Jesus' arrival in a sense because that great coming to set the world to right that we just sang about has begun, the, the transformation's begun because Jesus did come. Uh, but He's coming again to finish that work. So we live with thankfulness that it's begun, and we're part of God's renewing work, and we still wait in hope. So Advent really is about being grateful to the Lord and thanking Him for all that He's begun to do with Jesus' first Advent, and a longing in hope for all that He'll finish doing in the second Advent. So with that in mind, let's turn to Daniel chapter 12. This is our last message in the series on the book of Daniel. If you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to grab one. They're under some seats nearby you, and we'll be looking at Daniel 12 here. And Daniel is, Daniel 12 really is fitting for Advent as well because it gets our hope on the future. Um, that from Daniel's perspective, the coming of Christ, from ours, we're grateful for what he's begun to do in his first coming and what he has yet to do. So the book of Daniel, really through this series, we have learned what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus in the midst of what the Bible would call exile. So Daniel and and the Jewish people we've seen were taken captive out of the land of Israel to Babylon, and Daniel lived as an exile then, away from his home, living in a culture that was not their true home. They were in a culture that rejected God's Word and His ways by and large, and yet Daniel lived as a faithful witness. He didn't just survive his time in exile. He was able to thrive in it because he knew the Lord. He didn't have a posture of um, strict separation from the culture he was in. Uh, he didn't assimilate to it fully, just embracing all of the culture's values and ways. He didn't fight against it as a primary posture of his. Instead, he lived as a faithful witness in that culture. And so this book is, it has been, and will continue to be incredibly relevant for Christians um, today. The New Testament says that Christians live in exile in this world. This world's not our home. We're, our home is with Christ in heaven and the new creation to come. And so we live in exile here, and we felt this. We live in an increasingly post-Christian world uh, and culture. We've been experiencing a hard pandemic. We've been living in the aftermath of a contentious election season. We've been experiencing political turmoil, racial tensions, relational divisions, and the book of Daniel shows us how to live in the midst of this kind of world in a way that is faithful to God and loving toward others. It shows us how to love and serve others in our culture, wherever the Lord has us. It teaches us to value engaging politically for the good of our neighbors And most importantly, it teaches us how to have joy through knowing Jesus and hoping in His kingdom. And so now we come to this final chapter as we end the book of Daniel. And the end of the book of Daniel is about the end of history as we know it. The repeated word in this chapter 
is end. It's, this is about, as it describes a couple times here, the time of the end. But this ending is also a new beginning because the end of history as we know it is really a transition to um, a new way of living, resurrection, the raising to life. So Daniel 12 points us forward to the culmination of history. Uh, it shows us that history is a story and it's ultimately heading toward uh, the great happily ever after, uh, a world, a new creation. And this chapter is here to help us live in light of this future hope. And here's the main point of what we'll see here. Daniel has promised that those who endure, those who persevere through whatever persecution they find themselves in the midst of, they will be raised to new life in the end. And this great promise of everlasting life is here to encourage us in the midst of suffering, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of persecution for being Christians. It encourages us to live patiently and wisely and faithfully wherever God has us. So let's read Daniel chapter 12 and then consider it together. This is culminating and concluding a vision that we've been considering the past couple weeks. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, this angelic prince who has charge of your people, Daniel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered and everyone whose, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood. So he's been receiving this vision from an angel hovering above a stream, a river in front of him. And now there's two others one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, the one giving this vision, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream and he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand." And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your infinite wisdom in revealing to us your word and your plan for history. Thank you for revealing yourself through this. We pray that you would give us understanding and wisdom so we can understand your word and know it. 
We pray that we would respond with the kind of response that you want us to have. So by your spirit, would you empower us to have wisdom to discern your word here and a heart to love you and to live faithfully in response. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this last chapter has two main parts. The first part is the first three verses that we saw. It's the final part of the vision that we saw from chapters 10 and 11, these past few weeks. And then the second part of the chapter is verse 4 to the end. And this is really a Q&A session between an angel that's standing there with Daniel and Daniel, a Q&A session between them and the, this man clothed in linen, this other angelic figure that's actually been giving a vision to Daniel that we've seen the past couple weeks. So let's consider both parts first, the first three verses which give us the hope of resurrection, and then the second part of the chapter which shows us how to live in light of it. So first, the hope of resurrection. That's what these first three verses um, show us. They're the conclusion of this longer vision from chapter 11. In that vision, um, if you were here last week, you'll remember it. An angel told Daniel about the coming centuries of history after Daniel. So Daniel received this in the 6th century B.C., and this angel revealed to him a number of centuries in the the wars and conflicts that would happen around Israel and the persecution that they would face, the suffering that they'd have, especially suffering under a Greek ruler named Antiochus IV, Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. You can read about him in the history books, and he's referred to here ahead of time. And we've seen that Antiochus really is used also as a pattern Uh, in history that he's not the only one in the second century BC. He was there, but he becomes a pattern in history because many other people like Antiochus have ruled violently and viciously and with hatred toward God's people. And we've seen that through history, and it, it appears that this will happen again, even to our future, where there will be another Antiochus like ruler. But now at the end of the vision, we see hope. History may be this dark tunnel moving through a mountain, But we are now seeing the light that really is radiant at the end of it. And so verses 2 and 3 give us one of the Old Testament's clearest statements about the resurrection. If you've been familiar with the Bible, you know that all over the New Testament we read about resurrection. It was launched with Jesus' resurrection, and then the promise of a, a resurrection in the end is all over the place. But you read the Old Testament, and it seems few and far between, but it is there. And this is one of the clearest statements of resurrection in the Old Testament. So let's read this again together. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So this image here of death as sleeping in the dust of the earth shows us that death is really more like sleep. It's temporary. Um... The resurrection, you know, is a unique teaching um, in the world of Christianity. Many civilizations and religions believe that there's some kind of life after death, some kind of existence after death, but it's a disembodied life. But the Bible shows us that God places value on physical life. From the beginning, he made us uh, embodied people. And so death is unnatural to the order in which God created things. And so our bodies are laid down to rest, but it's temporary. 
Um, We're laid down to rest for a while until the resurrection day when bodies will come back up from the ground. And so death is like sleep. This is really, by the way, why Christians have historically preferred burial as the practice of what to do with bodies, as a way of, of honoring the physicality of our bodies and recognizing that it's really being laid down to sleep because one day, with a shout of command, Jesus' voice will be heard and bodies will be raised from their graves. And so, graveyards are temporary resting places, bodies laid down in the hope of resurrection. And so, when everyone is raised on that great day, this says there there will be a separation. It's sobering. Look again at verse 2, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Only two options, only two directions, two destinies. And every person will face one or the other of them. We will either be raised, resurrected to everlasting life and the fullness of life as it was meant to be in a new creation with God and His people forever, or we will be raised to face everlasting shame and contempt for our rebellion against our Creator. Jesus spoke of this resurrection as well. Um, In John chapter 5, he identified himself as the Son of Man, this phrase we've seen from the book of Daniel, this, this one who is a king with all authority, this divine and human king, and he essentially nearly quotes Daniel chapter 12 here. So listen to what he said in in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. He said this, and he, the Father, has given him, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying that the Father has given the Son of Man, speaking of himself, authority to execute judgment. And then he said this, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And the focus in Daniel is to give hope to God's people, but in light of this sobering reality. Notice verse 3, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So this is metaphorical. It points to this moral purity and radiant, uh, radiance that we'll have in the new creation. The earth will be renewed. We'll live on it with new bodies. And this is the culmination of the vision that we've seen from chapter 11 because this is giving hope to God's people. After chapter 11, this hardship that's coming for God's people, Daniel sees that there's a pattern of suffering in century after century, generation after generation, but there's hope coming for those who endure because in the end we see that God will bring a great reversal. The kings who have arrogantly exalted themselves and the people who have persecuted God's people uh, will be brought low. And God's people who have been humble and faithful and steadfast will be raised. And so here's one way to summarize how this hope should affect us. It should lead us to look up, look ahead, and look around. Here's what I mean by that. First, this leads us to look up because we look up to God and we see our Creator who rules over history. We've seen this all through Daniel, right? He raises up kings and He brings down kings. He tells the end from the beginning, He's sovereign over all history, and so we recognize that history is a narrative that God is unfolding, and so we look up and trust. We also look ahead because we see here that history is not meaningless, and it also doesn't have a vague future. 
We are part of a narrative that's headed toward a settled conclusion. And for those who trust Christ, the future is bright. Suffering is not the end of our story. This, this means that suffering is just for a season. That's part of the hope that Daniel is being, being told here. I was recently listening to an interview of someone who was talking about the topic of bullying and just how hard that can be for those who are experiencing that. Maybe you have experienced um, a season or seasons of being bullied in your life. Maybe you have been a bully. I've been on both ends of that. Um, feeling the, the shame of being bullied and then also saying just incredibly rude things to people and shaming them at times. And maybe you're going through a season of that even right now in your workplace or maybe in your class at school. And so I was listening to this uh, person and he was asked, um, he's passionate about this topic. He was asked, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is going through a season of being bullied, or who is being bullied? And he said, know that it's just for a season. Right? He said, it can feel like it's your whole world and it's your whole life but know that it's just for a season. You will get perspective one day and look back on that and recognize that you made it through. And knowing that actually can help you endure it. It's not the only thing that needs to be said. Of course, finding help and telling someone else to help is part of this. But this is part of the perspective that Daniel gives us. In the suffering of this age, in the persecution of this age, in the shame that we feel in this age at times, we need perspective. We need to know that it's just for a season. And the hope that Daniel's receiving and that we're receiving is this, that suffering and persecution, bullying, and, and bullying's a, a fair word to use here. Really, Satan is the great bully, and he works through the powers of the world to bully and shame and condemn people um, and bring violence against people. And so what the hope that Daniel's getting here, though, is that the season actually may be your whole life, but it's still just a season because resurrection is coming. And we will look back in billions of years to come in this season that felt so long and so hard and this life that was hard and recognize that it was really in light of eternity, a short season. The Lord was faithful to us in it and he brought us out of it. And so we need that hope right now in the midst of hard seasons. So we see that we're part of a storyline here. We look ahead. And then we also look around we look around at those who need to hear this hope because this is a sobering message, isn't it? That every single person, the person sitting to your right and to your left, the person sitting in front of you, everyone in this room, everyone watching on this live stream, everyone you've ever seen will, will part ways in one of two directions, either at the resurrection toward, to eternal life or to everlasting shame and contempt. And it's a message consistent through the whole Bible, two destinies. Jesus talked about that more than anybody, and he told us this because he loves us. Um, and in fact, he came to rescue us from the harsh reality of hell and everlasting shame and contempt by bearing that on the cross in our place. Though he was innocent, he bore our sin and shame on the cross so that all who trust him would not have to have that destiny, but instead have everlasting life by grace, sheer grace, total grace. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, there would be one destiny for everybody, shame and contempt, everlasting. But Jesus came to die and rise for us so that there could be two ways and that anyone can get in on this um, and have everlasting life by grace. So this leads us, though, to look around then 
and say, first, look inward, I suppose, and say, do I know the Lord? Have I received this grace? Will I be having everlasting life? Not because I'm better than people, but because I'm trusting in Jesus. And then we look around and say, who else needs to hear this? Because life is a vapor, and we're going to be at this judgment one day. And every single person needs to know. And so for those who have known Christ and do know Him and received His forgiveness, we want to invite others to know His grace as well. And in fact, that's one of the ways that those who receive eternal life are described here. Did you notice that? Verse 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And put another way, those who turn many to righteousness shall shine like star, the stars forever and ever. So this isn't like a, a difference between those who are really good people and are better than other people and those who aren't. This is between those who have received God's mercy and grace and transforming power and they're the very ones who then don't look at others and, and say, we're better than you. They say, can I invite you to turn to God as well? Can I invite you to join me over here? They're those who turn others to righteousness. So this is an Old Testament way of saying to turn to trust Jesus and follow him, to turn to righteousness, to receive the gift of righteousness as a status by grace, and to then be transformed to become like Jesus. And so those who turn others to righteousness, that's a way of saying those who make disciples, right? Those who lead others to follow Jesus. That's part of our purpose as a church, right? We want to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ who are a community of worshipers on mission. That's what the mission part is, to reach our neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus so that they would face him in judgment and receive the well done and welcome into the joy of our master. And so I want to grow in this. I've been convicted about this this week, shared that with our small group even this week. Just I want to grow in my own um, desire even to see people come to know Jesus because I know that my lack of follow-through and conversations is often rooted in my own just lack of desire and lack of living in light of this reality. Um, so I hope you, you want to grow as well to speak about Jesus in your neighborhoods, um, with your family, with brothers and sisters, um, co-workers, your friends, uh, parents. You know, you want your children um, to know the Lord Jesus, and so much of parenting is about preparing children, right? Preparing children for what matters in life. Uh, and we prepare children in all the ways we should to prepare them for this life, teaching them skills, to pursue education. But the most important thing we prepare our children for is not their graduation day, getting a degree, passing an interview, or their marriage day. The most important day is judgment day. And that should be a focus of our efforts because we'll all stand before um, Jesus. So um, parents and children and everyone here, let's embrace this as our future and live in light of it. What would it how would our day change tomorrow morning if we woke up and had this on our mind and heart? and really lived as if we believed it. So that's the hope of resurrection here. And what do we do then as we wait? Well, we've actually already been talking about that a bit, I suppose, um, but this is also what we see in verses 4 to 13. So Daniel's received this vision and gotten this great hope that's coming at the end of history that helps him endure, 
And this angel tells him to preserve this writing for future generations, which we're glad he did because it's why we're able to read this. Then there's this short Q&A session here um, with the angel. One angel asks this other angel who's given the vision, how long will it be until these things happen? And the answer is actually not quite clear to us. We don't get an exact date for when this resurrection will come. Time, times, and half a time, and other numbers are used here, um, symbolic and debated about what they may mean. But really, the, the heart of it is the same message Jesus gave when Jesus was asked and, and he shared his answer about what was going to come in the future. He said, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. So Daniel then asked this question in verse 8. He asked, what will be the outcome of these things? But the angel doesn't seem to give him a direct or thorough answer. Uh, so we're not going to look at all the details here. As I mentioned, there's a lot of debate and speculation about the meaning of the angel's response here, and it doesn't matter, and I encourage you to look into it another time. But the main point is that he wanted to tell Daniel uh, that there was, there was something that Daniel needed to focus on more than getting the details right. And the focus is not on a timeline. It's mentioned two times. You can see it in verses 9 and 13. It's really the first and last thing that this angel said to Daniel here. Verse 9, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And then verse 13, but go your way till the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Notice a couple things here. First, notice the hope. That very last line of the book, the very last thing that Daniel hears, you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Do you hear what he's saying? He's making this resurrection hope that he's already given very personal for Daniel. He's saying, Daniel, you will live and you will die, but your death will be a rest, and then you will rise and stand in your allotted place. And that phrase, allotted place, they never noticed this until this past week. This is actually a pretty special word. It's a word uh, used repeatedly in the book of Joshua to refer to the giving of the land to Israel. Over and over, when God gave Israel their land, he gave them their allotted places. Each tribe had its allotted place. Now think about what this would have meant for Daniel and how hope-giving it would have been. He was carried out of the land of Israel when he was a teenager, and he's lived in exile his whole life. He's now in his 80s. As far as we know, he never returned. He'll never return to the land. He lived and died in exile away from the allotted places that God gave to God's people. But the message to him now is this, you will die, but that's not the end. You will die, but you will rise, and you will stand in your allotted place. So here's the great hope for all of us here. The land of Canaan, and I think Daniel knew this, I think it's throughout the Bible clear in many ways, the land of Canaan was always meant to be a temporary pointer to a renewed earth. It was described as like a new Eden in the midst of the earth when God created the world with all its beauty and bounty, and then he gives Israel the land of Canaan as a little picture, like a little Eden, not perfect, but symbolically like it, as a pointer to the day when God would actually renew the world and the whole world would be like an Eden in Canaan a beautiful and bountiful land. And so this book is ending with this hope. God's people will rise, 
not just from Israel, but among the nations as well. They will rise and take their stand in their allotted place, their allotment, their new place in the new land of the new creation. So this is the hope of the resurrection. Not that we will have our best life now, but that it's coming. We may not experience the full joy and peace that we long for, but the resurrection, in the resurrection we will, will live on a new creation without sin and knowing the Lord. And so now, how is Daniel to live in light of that great hope, this personalized hope that's personalized to you as well as you trust in Jesus? Well, the main message to Daniel is stated twice here. We saw it in verse 9 and 13. It's this phrase, go your way. Verse 9, go your way, Daniel. Verse 13, but go your way until the end. Now, this doesn't mean go away, right? It's not like um, the Fleetwood Mac song, go your own way, which has been stuck in my head all week, which I don't mind. I like Fleetwood Mac. Um, Simply, though, it means, Daniel, live your life in light of this hope. Here's your hope. Now go your way. Live your life. And this is encouraging because it doesn't say, go be famous. It doesn't say, go do big things. He just says, go your way. Keep living as a faithful witness, as you've done. Keep going. And so this final verse of Daniel leads us to reflect on his life. Daniel's called to go his way. We are called to go ours, but in many ways, ours are to be like his because he's an example to us. Daniel and his friends have shown us through this book what it looks like to live faithfully as a faithful presence and faithful witness in our world. And so the angel is saying to Daniel, you've been faithful, keep going. So what does it look like for us to live faithfully like Daniel lived? Well, let's just look back at a few high points. So I just want to uh, look back at a couple key statements in this book. As I've read this, I wonder if it struck you as well. There's a few lines. Actually, I think every single chapter has one line that just is powerful and concise and resonates uh, so deeply with us. And so I just want to look at a couple from the beginning of the book that help us see who Daniel was and how we can remember to live in light of him. So if you turn to the beginning of the book, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, three words, but Daniel resolved. If you were here a few months ago when we began this series, you remember this. Daniel was taken captive to Babylon as a teenager. He was appointed to serve the king of Babylon. He was fined to go along with much of the re-education program to serve in a kind of a political office of sorts there. Um, He was a great example for those of you who are young uh, and used in your your teens um, and even younger. That was Daniel. And Daniel is a great encouragement, just as you can be to older people in your life. It can be a great encouragement of faithfulness. And so Daniel is that to us because he realized that there was a line too far. He wouldn't eat from the king's table um, and defile himself with that. And so we see his decisiveness here. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He resolved to stay faithful to the Lord. And it's been an encouragement to us since. And then Daniel blessed those efforts and even had them promoted. Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven. Context here, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and since no one could interpret it, all these wise men and magicians and enchanters were going to die. But Daniel prayed for God to reveal the mystery to him, and he did. And so Daniel affirms to the king, though, that this isn't because Daniel's special. The affirmation is this line, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So for Daniel to go his way meant to live like that, to live knowing that there is a God in heaven and you can trust him. 
Daniel 3, verse 18. Three words again. But if not. So those three friends of Daniel were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace if they didn't bow down to the image and essentially commit idolatry. They said that if that's the case, if they refused to bow down to the idols of their day, and they would have to be thrown into a fiery furnace, they said if that's the case, then God would deliver them. But then they said, they didn't know for certain that God would deliver them, of course. So they added this great statement of faith. But if not, right? But even if he doesn't deliver us, even if you throw us in there and we do die, we're still not going to bow down. I mean, what a statement. What encouraging boldness. So Daniel and his friends have showed us how to live as faithful witnesses in their culture. And we need their example because we might all tend to have one of a few different postures toward our culture. And we saw this when we started the book of Daniel um, and it's been relevant throughout here. Some of us may tend to lean most in the direction of separating from our culture. When the culture becomes more unhinged around us, we want to pull out and separate from it. We want to disengage. We want to isolate ourselves from it. Or some of us lead toward just full assimilation into the culture. Uh, we don't think much about how culture influences the way we think and feel and, and shapes our loves. We, we don't analyze kind of how uh, advertisements are manipulating our desires and emotions and cultivating even greed in us. We don't notice how entertainment choices are, are making us be kind of like a frog in a kettle. You know, the heat's getting turned up. We're not even noticing just how much we're slowly falling into temptation to laugh at the things God hates and lust at the things that God hates. Um, and so we just get assimilated to it. We don't look any different than the world. Others of us lean toward fighting the culture. We see that and we say, enough, I'm tired of this. But then our tone can feel more agitated and angry and hateful um, at times as if, as if we're only battling and we're warriors. But Daniel gives us a different way. This shows us how to engage culture with faithfulness to the Lord and love toward our neighbors, to have courage uh, to, to have courage to do things that are faithful to God even though no one else will approve of us. And someone may call us a bigot or an idiot. Um, we also see gentleness, though, with Daniel. And love, the fruit of the Spirit, which, you know, we spent this summer looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because it is so needed in our time of hostility in our culture. Um, trying to fight for truth but not do it in love. And so we have this beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit, the, the characteristics and virtues that the Spirit transforms us into reflecting. And so we see that with uh, Daniel, and we see that with his friends here. And so when Daniel's called to go his own way, to go his way, he's called to continue on in this. And so we are to continue on with this as well in light of the hope of resurrection. So as we come to the end of Daniel, we're entering now into season of Advent. And we're anticipating the arrival of Jesus with Advent. And Daniel has prepared us well for this season. Because the book of Daniel points us ahead to Jesus in a number of ways. We've seen it week after week. And so as we turn the page from Daniel and turn to consider Advent uh, in these weeks, let's focus on Jesus here for the last few moments. Here's a few ways that this book helps us focus on Jesus. So let's just consider Jesus and his ministry, life, death, and resurrection in light of the book of Daniel for a few moments here. With Jesus' incarnation, which we celebrate here in much of our singing in Advent, 
uh, what we see is Jesus joining us in our exile. He's left his homeland in heaven, and he's come to be with us in our exile to bring us out of it, um, to join him. In his ministry, we see that he is greater than Daniel. He lived with unswerving resolve to be committed to his father, faithful to his father, honoring his father, and faithful to his mission to love and rescue us. We see his resolve in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's faced with the cross coming hours away, uh, sweating drops of blood, deeply troubled in soul, and yet he resolves, not what I will, but yours be done. Um, And then in his death, we see him taking upon himself the ultimate exile from God's blessing. He endured it in our place, taking our shame and condemnation that we deserve, right? This promise of resurrection we've seen in Daniel 12, where there's two roads. Jesus took the road of shame and contempt upon himself on the cross so that we don't have to. And he bore that in our place. He entered into the fiery furnace and the lion's den for us and came out victorious. And so in his resurrection and his ascension to heaven, he took his seat on the throne as the exalted son of man that we've seen from Daniel 7. He came on the clouds to the father, the ancient of days, and received his kingdom, everlasting dominion. This has already happened in history. Jesus is now ruling and reigning He is, as Revelation says, the ruler of the kings on earth right now, um, the ultimate authority. And so we swear our allegiance to him. And so now as he reigns in heaven, he's expanding his kingdom like the stone in Daniel 2 that we saw. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, this image that represents all his kingdom and the coming kingdoms of this world. But then this stone comes from heaven and shatters and hits the feet and then shatters this image and then this this stone starts growing into a great mountain. That's what's happening right now. Jesus' kingdom came, it dawned, it began, and it's been growing steadily for centuries into a great mountain. And Jesus will return one day again, and so we're waiting for that. And so we're living in the time of the expansion of the kingdom. We still live in the midst of the kingdoms of the world, and so we, we trust him in this time. And we seek to live as faithful witnesses to the kingdom. We live in an increasingly post-Christian culture, We live in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all sorts of turmoil and tension, Uh, but Jesus reigns. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is expanding, and we as God's people are gathered here as an outpost of his kingdom in the midst of this world. Our citizenship is with him in heaven. We're also citizens here, and we want to be faithful to Jesus here. And so in this final chapter of Daniel, we get this message. Stay calm. Look up and trust in the Lord who's sovereign over history. Look ahead to the hope of resurrection because a bright future is coming. And look around at how to be faithful to others, to serve others, and to be a witness to the coming resurrection and to invite people to join us in knowing Jesus. And so let's end by reading this last verse of Daniel, then we'll sing. Everyone's invited to have the truth of this verse apply to them. So, Trust in Christ, and this hope is yours. Go your way till the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and this truth. We thank you that uh, 
uh, our present reality, as hard as it is, is not the fullness of our story, that there is more to come and you've revealed it. Thank you for being faithful to move history along. Thank you that you have exalted Jesus as our King. Thank you that you've sent your Spirit to change our hearts that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit and live like Daniel and, most importantly, like your Son. And so we pray this morning that you would fill our hearts with hope so that this week in all of the things you've put before us to do, we would do them faithfully as witnesses. pray this in Jesus' name. So let's stand, sing about that expectation that we're looking forward to. Come thou long expected Jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins let us find our rest in thee. Israel, strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of
uh, leave for today, um, but for all who are comfortable, you're welcome to stay and fellowship with one another. Um, we are called Zionsville Fellowship on purpose, so we love to encourage one another and enjoy deep, true, biblical friendship with one another. For those who are live streaming, I encourage you to reach out to someone, send a note, an email, give a call. Um, and so let's enjoy this time together and uh, receive this benediction from God's Word. Now may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Go in peace to love and serve. Love you all.